0: can't ride on my little red wagon. You can't ride on my little red wagon. Front seat's broken in the wicket 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 What's up, y'all? This is the Nick Bartlett Show. This is a Sports Pack 12 original, so don't forget it, y'all knuckleheads. If you didn't figure it out by the title, my name is Nick Bartlett. I'm the broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer at Oregon Sports News. I've had my articles featured in the Seattle PI, 750 The Game, and Go Local PDX, and a bunch of other random media outlets and places and shenanigans and all like that. This is a sports show about Pac-12, current events, affairs, obviously the action of the field, and the conference in totality. Thank you for tuning in. If you're new to the show, if you've been here for a long time, eh, Maybe thank you nah nah. Thank you for coming on. And without further ado, let's get to some pack twelve action. Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody. And guess what? It's here. It's time I said the March is in the building. Whoa, woah woah what? what, what, what? <laughs> Alright guys. Um yeah, if you can't tell, I'm happy that March is here. We're probably all on the same page. We probably Already experienced some highs and lows. My Cougars lost last night to the ASU Sun Devils. Hats off to the Devils, but man, my team season is over. But that was followed by today or yesterday. I guess when you guys will be hearing this, the Oregon State Beavers pulled off a marvelous 16-point comeback against the UCLA Bruins. And wow, just the highs and lows are real. I'm just I'm pumped, baby. I'm pumped. I don't know if you can tell. I, I love this stuff, man. I love this stuff. So um, all right, take a deep breath, Nick. So, on today's episode, we're going to be joined by Steven Villardo, and he's a contributor at Sports Pac-12, and he is a full-time, I don't know how you phrase it, employee. He essentially, he's associated with the Sports and Entertainment Research Center. The acronym is S-E-R-C, and Steven's going to give you a breakdown on the Pac-12 regular season and the Pac-12 tournament giving a deep statistical insight. I'm very excited for his segment. So expect a lot of really, really cool stats. I'm going to then follow with my three big takeaways for the Pac-12 semifinals going forward. That's all we got left. It is going fast. It's going fast. And as always, we will end today's show with Bartlett's random topic of the day. So with that, it's still March at 6.39, 3.11, 2021, the date. Oh yeah, it is still March. I'm going to kick it down to Steven. Do your thing, bud. Thanks,
1: Nick, and thanks for having me on. What a great time of year this is. We got the big conference tournaments starting up, including the Pac-12. Then we got the NCAA tournament. We'll take a look at the Pac-12 tournament here in just a second, but let's start off with the regular season that was, and what better way to start talking about the regular season from the Pac-12 than with our conference champion and the Oregon Ducks. About a month ago, the Ducks went on the road to Arizona and left the desert with a sweep. They were one of three teams to sweep the desert road trip this season, joining USC and UCLA. The last time that three teams swept that road trip in a single season was 2006-2007 when the Ducks and Bruins were joined by Washington State in accomplishing that feat. This is just the fourth time since 1984-85 that multiple teams have swept the road games in Tempe and Tucson. 2011-12, we saw Washington and Oregon do it while in two, 2003 and 4, it was the Huskies and Stanford. So counting the three this season, only 25 teams have swept the desert road trip since 1984-85. With Oregon claiming the Pac-12 regular season title this year, that means that 12 of those 25 squads have claimed at least a share of the conference crown. Additionally, for the Ducks in knocking off Oregon State on Sunday, Not only did they solidify their conference championship, they also won their 153rd game against a Division I opponent since the start of 2015-16. That's the fifth most of any team in the nation. The Ducks trail only Gonzaga, Villanova, Kansas, and Virginia in wins during the last six seasons, and that is quite a quartet of teams, quite a quintet of teams if you throw in the Ducks. Over that same time period, since 2015-16, Oregon has gone 92-9 in Matthew Knight Arena for a win percentage of 9-11. At 91.1% is the fourth highest home court win percentage among major college teams, trailing only Gonzaga, Kansas, and Florida State. Chris Duarte has done a little bit of everything for the Ducks, and it shows up in the stat line for certain. He's one of just two players nationally averaging at least 17 points per game, one and a half steals per game, four and a half rebounds, 2.4 assists, and blocking at least 0.9 shots per game. And of those two players, he's the only one from a power conference to put up those numbers, the other being Trin Flowers of Long Island University and LIU obviously not playing a Pac-12 schedule. Evan Mobley took home Pac-12 honors from the conference as the player of the year, freshman of the year, and defensive player of the year this season. And in the season finale against UCLA, he collected 13 points and 11 rebounds for his Pac-12 leading 10th double-double on the year. That is the 19th most in the nation and the third most by any freshman this season. Included in those 10 double-doubles are four games in which he has gone for at least 20 points and 10 rebounds. That's tied for the seventh most in the nation among major conference players, and he is tied with Oscar Da Silva of Stanford for the most by a Pac-12 player. No freshman from a Power Six conference has as many 20 and 10 games as the four that Mobley has. Additionally, he is one of just two players nationally this year, averaging at least 16 points, eight rebounds, and two and a half blocked shots per game. Charles Bassey of Western Kentucky is the other. Mobley is a semifinalist nationally for Defensive Player of the Year, and a big reason for that is those blocked shots, where he is eighth nationally, averaging 2.85 rejections per game. And perhaps more importantly, he ranks third in the nation with 1.5% four blocked shots per foul committed. So Nick, he is getting the job done, rejecting the shots and altering shots without getting into foul trouble. And he is so important to the success of USC that that is a big reason why he can stay out of foul trouble and still alter shots among everything else he does for the Trojans. And speaking of defense, Colorado this season held 23 of 27 opponents to 72 points or less, which is the fourth most of any team in the nation. And that's gone a long way towards the Buffs' number three seed in the conference tournament, which is their highest seed in the Pac-12 era, and their highest seed in any conference tournament since they were the three seed in the 1996-97 Big 12 tournament. The Buffaloes did tie for third place in the Pac-12 in 2013-14 in the regular season, but they were the number five seed for the conference tournament that year. But back to that defense we were talking about, and that standard has been set in Boulder for the last three seasons as the Buffaloes have allowed 72 or less in 24 of 32 games last season, 24 of 36 in 2018-19. So all told, over the last three seasons, that's 71 of 95 games played by Colorado. Their opponent has failed to score over 72 points. That's 75%, or almost 75% of their games, 74.7%, actually. And in those 71 games, the Buffs have gone 58 and 13, and even a little bit better in the last two years, going 40 and 7 since the start of last season when allowing 72 or less. Obviously, for Colorado, their success in a large part is due to McKinley Wright, the fourth, who has been noted many times this year as the seventh player in NCAA history with at least 1,700 career points, 600 rebounds, and 600 assists for his career. And to top it off, he's about to do it one better. Just 17 points away from from 1,800 career points for McKinley Wright. So 17 points away from making an 1,800-600-600 club for the Buff Guard. This season, he's one of just eight players and one of two from a power conference, averaging at least 15 points, four rebounds, and four and a half and five and a half assists per game, so 15 points, four boards, five and a half assists. And of those eight players, Wrights got the fewest turnovers per game, averaging just 2.1. Speaking of Colorado, as we enter the Pac-12 tournament, no team has to be happier that Arizona is not in the conference tournament than the Buffaloes. The Wildcats have accounted for five of Colorado's eight all-time losses in the Pac-12 conference tournament. Actually, Colorado was 1-5 in five in the tournament against Arizona. Against all other, other conference teams, the Buffs own a 12-3 conference tournament mark. So Arizona has been the Achilles heel for Colorado. Probably for a lot of teams, but specifically Colorado in this case. And those six meetings between Arizona and Colorado is a remarkably high number considering Colorado's addition to the conference. So in nine tournaments, those teams have met six times. So we know we won't see a seventh between them. The most played matchup in the tournament all time is Arizona and UCLA with 10 meetings. They've split those 10 meetings five and five. We won't see an 11th meeting between them, obviously, this year. But we could see the second most played matchup all time. And that would happen with a Washington State win over Arizona State would set up the eighth all-time tournament meeting between the Cougars and Oregon. And somewhat surprising, the Ducks lead those seven games in the tournament all-time meetings just 4-3. to So a little closer than I would have thought it'd be. And due to their wins last season on opening day, California and Washington State getting those victories, Mark Fox and Kyle Smith both enter this year with a perfect 1-0 and mark in their coaching careers in the Pac-12 tournament. Now, among active coaches with more than one game under the belt, the standard belongs to Dana Altman of Oregon with a 760 win percentage. Altman is 19-6 and six in the Pac-12 tournament during his tenure at Oregon. That 760 win percentage is not only the highest among active head coaches, but also of any head coach in Pac-12 conference history with more than one game coached. Now, Nick, a statistical anomaly that I noticed doing some research for the conference tournament is that of the number six seed. When the number six seed makes it to the championship game, they've gone 3-0. and So over the course of those three runs to the title, they've obviously have not lost a game. They've racked up an 11-0 mark. The 20 seasons that the seed has not won at all, the number six seed is 10-20. and Included in those 20 losses is last year when... 11th seed, Washington State, knocked off the number six seed, Colorado. That's the lone victory ever by an 11th seed in the conference tournament. The Cougars riding that one-game win streak currently in the tournament, but Washington State is the only conference team that has never advanced to the championship game of the conference tournament. The Cougars' best finish has been the semifinals, And their most recent run to the conference Final Four was in 2008, which interestingly started with the Cougars as the number three seed, beating the sixth seed in the opening round. And that year, the sixth seed was the Oregon Ducks. So there you have one of those tight 4-3 series lead for the Ducks that was won by Washington State. Obviously, the most likely team to make it to the finals is the one seed, Having been there 16 out of 22 times, 72.7% in the finals. The two seed has made it 54.5% of the time, 12 out of 22. You've seen the three seed made it six times. The four seed has made it to the finals five. Only once has the five seed made it to the finals. Of course, the six seed, as mentioned, has won three times. That's their only trips to the finals. And the lowest seed ever to make a finals was the seven seed, That's 4.5% of the time that you saw a 7-Z, just 1 out of 22 times. So on that note, and with that, I will send it back to you, Nick.
0: All right, cool. Thank you for all your hard work and research. It is seriously much appreciated. Allows me to be a little freer on my segment here. But again, thank you, Stephen, for all your work. So here we are, and I'm here to break down and talk about three things to look out for in the Pac-12 Tournament Semifinals going forward. Number one, we're going to get right into it, is going to be Evan Mobley. And look, he's won every award. But to be quite frank, this may actually surprise a lot of people. I haven't seen what I would have expected out of a potential number one pick in the NBA draft. Yes, he has the stats, all the awards. I mean, Pac-12 freshman of the year, defense player of the year, Pac-12 player of the year, blah, 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 blah. But I just want to see him take over and dominate the game and I haven't necessarily ever felt that I think I've seen the Trojans play five or six seven times maybe this year I'm talking full game start to finish every basket and in not one of those contests have I really seen him just absolutely dominate and while the statistics may be there just it's not passing the eye test and you gotta understand I'm comparing him as a number one NBA draft pick type prospect I mean obviously he is a stud and one of two best players in the conference, and. There'll be more on that later. But I just want to see him take over the game. And he needs to call for the ball every freaking time down the court. I know that Andy Enfield won Coach of the Year, but to be quite frank, the Trojans have looked pretty trash as of recently. They really got lucky in their win against UCLA. I mean, they escaped an Atage 80 corner three. Had me yelling, fun watch, but they did not play good basketball. And even though he won coach of the year, I'ma be real, man. I mean, Andy Etfield, Enfield, start the offense through Evan Mobley every time. Dane touched on this a couple of weeks ago. I know that the new age of basketball is guards shooting 70 foot three pointers, and I get it. I was a five foot nine, short little kid playing basketball. That was my calling card was long deep three pointers. But it's not the most efficient way to play basketball when you have a stud like Evan Mobley down low. Run the offense through him. Every single half-court possession, he should touch the ball. Every single time. And the reason why is he's 7 feet tall and an elite passer. Elite. So he's going to make the right play. He's going to kick it out for Taj. ED for the 3. Drew Peterson for the 3. Going to find Isaiah Mobley, his bro, on a nice little connection. He has this skill set. So to not give him the ball every time is actually unacceptable. It's freaking unacceptable. So I do not really understand why that's not happening but either way Andy Enfield is coach of the year and Evan Mobley won every other award in conference so hats off to them they're obviously both amazing coaches players but gotta give you my little two cents come on this is the Nick Barlish. what the heck you think I'm doing out here and just I mean as a fan this is gonna be the last time we get him watched uh last time we get to watch him play in the Pac-12 I mean obviously we're gonna have the NCAA tournament going forward but in terms of actual conference matchups This is it. And keep in mind, guys, I'm assuming that USC beats Utah. They're actually playing right now. I'm assuming a couple of things in this episode. (laughs) So I'm hoping that USC wins. If not, ignore this segment. (laughs) No, I really don't. You'll still see him in the NCAA tournament regardless. So number one, Evan Mobley needs to dominate. Call for the ball every freaking time down the court. Number two is going to be the Oregon Ducks. And in my opinion, they're the Pac-12's only hope to make a Final Four run. Obviously, we're talking about the Conference tournament here, so I think they're gonna win that. That was my pick. But yeah, I just don't see it from the other teams making a final four run. I mean, I think that a lot of people will be looking at USC or Colorado and maybe forgetting how good the Ducks really are. I mean, you got Chris Duarte, Eugene Omarui. Did I say that right? I think so. I got my phonetics in there. You got LJ Figueroa, you got Will Richardson. I just named him four studs. And we haven't even talked about a five-star recruit in Nefali Dante. That That is how deep this team is. And granted, this team missed a month of basketball due to COVID. They've looked absolutely phenomenal, terrific, amazing since coming back. And this team's nasty. This team is nasty. Do not forget about them. Do not forget about them. And as I kind of prefaced a little bit earlier talking about Mobley, Duarte is the best player in the conference, in my opinion, and the most NBA ready. I stand by that 100%. Potential wise, could Evan Robley be a lot better at the next level? Yes. But at this current moment, Duarte is the best player in the conference and is the most NBA ready. He reminds me of a Malcolm Brogdon type at the next level. He can steal the ball, he can guard, he takes smart shots, got a nasty stroke, and drive the hoop. Really just energy guy. You don't always get that from star players. He's vastly underrated. I think he's probably one of my favorite players I've seen in the Pac-12 in a long, long time. I just love everything about him. And I think that with him leading the helm, the Ducks do have a real chance at making the final four. A lot of people outside the Pac-12, maybe even in the Pac-12, don't know Duarte's name yet. They will. I promise you that. They will. I guess I can't promise. I'm not a fortune teller. Or maybe I am. You don't know. (laughs) But last reason anyways for the Ducks is going to be Dana Altman. Amazing coach. Best I don't think anyone can argue this. I mean, you may be able to argue Duarte not being the best player in the Pac-12, but Dana Altman is the best coach in the Pac-12, and having him lead the team, this team could make the Final Four, they could win the Pac-12 tournament, and a lot of amazing other things. I mean, I guess the only other things that ours winning a national championship, but not calling that, but either way, I think that the Ducks are the Pac-12's only realistic hope at making the Final Four. Third team, third reason, third thing to look out for is going to be the Colorado Buffs. And for them, it's pretty simple. They just got to do it. And they just have that feel of a very good team that we've been unable to call great because of the way they finished last season. They obviously really struggled down the stretch last year, lost to my Cougs in the Pac-12 tournament, actually got blown out by them. You know I wanted to throw that in there. I probably didn't even need to say that. You know I probably just wanted to say that. But um, this year they've been going back to the Buffs. This year they've been up and down. And yeah, they had 20 wins and I believe they had 20 wins last year as well, but they just they just don't have that vibe and they need whether it's a Pac-12 tournament title or run to like the Elite 8. They need something for us to call this team elite. And McKinley Wright deserves it because he's a stud. And Jariah Horn, I really like him. The transfer is a great player. I love Jabari Walker. They have a lot of pieces. But until they do it, we can't call them great. And I think a lot of people may not realize this. They actually haven't made it past the first round of the NCAA tournament since 2012. That's nearly a decade. That is not too good. So this is their year. McKinley Wright's their leader. And as I called for earlier in the year, don't you hate when people do that, give themselves credit. I, I didn't do anything besides for saying my opinion. But, um, I did want to see McKinley Wright become a little bit more aggressive on the offense end. And when I say a little, a lot more. And he's done that the last two games in his last two outings, dropping 24 and 26 points. This is what I've been waiting for. And now this is where you guys may be thrown off a little bit. I actually don't know if this is necessary in the Pac-12 tournament and in the NCAAs going forward. But the fact that now he's done it, it's a confidence boost for him and his team. Because his high IQ, motor, great energy, just an amazing all-around kid in person, that was always there. But now that he showed that rest in peace Kobe instinct, it changes things a little bit. It, it just does. When you have a guy who's willing to make those buckets to be a little bit selfish when you need to be selfish, he's done it. He's proven it. And again, averaging 25 his last two outings. That balance of being able to take over game offensively with your own shot combined with his high IQ is what's going to take the buffs to the next level. And it should be really interesting to see how he performs in the PAPTOL tournament, assuming again that they beat Cal I really hope that USC and Colorado win. It'll just make this episode so much more plausible, guys. So much more freaking plausible. But um, yeah, so my three things to look out for in the Pac-12 semifinals going forward and into the NCAAs is going to be Evan Mobley for USC. I want to see him just absolutely dominate. Just absolutely dominate. Seriously, Andy Enfield and the rest of the coaching staff, including his pops, need to give him a touch Every single time that the Trojans are in a half-court set. Two, I think that the Oregon Ducks are the Pac-12's only hope. I just think that they're so underrated. And I really love Dana Altman and Chris Duarte. And three, the Colorado Buffs. They just got to do it. I can give you all the crap I just said earlier, but they just have to do it. McKinley Wright's really scoring the ball efficiently as of late. And with this team, with if this team ever wants to really be considered great or elite. They need to win the Pac-12 tournament or at least make a run to the Elite Eight. So, that's going to do it for that. But we have not gotten to Bartlett's random topic of the day, which I'm very excited for this week. Want to know why? Because it is still freaking March, baby. I'm shaking my phone. Did it get a little shaky in the recording? Yes, ladies and gentlemen. It's March, and my random topic of the day, there actually is a randomness, is going to be everyone in the Pac-12 Whose team has been eliminated should be cheering for the Oregon State Beavers. That 16-point comeback against the Bruins—I just finished watching it again. It's being recorded on Thursday night. Wow, I—I I didn't watch the whole game. To be fair, I turned it on with like a minute left, seeing that the Bruins are up by four points, and somehow the Beavers scratched their way back into it. They clawed their way back into it. They gnarled, they gnarled their way back into it and found a way to win. And The Pac-12 only has four teams going to the tournament as it currently stands with Stanford's whatever the heck happened to Stanford. The Beavers now have a chance. And while Ducks fans may have finally started to love me because I've really hyped up their basketball program the last couple weeks, if any team can knock off the Ducks, it would be the Beavers. And granted, I picked the Ducks in the Pac-12 tournament. I picked the Bruins to beat the Beavers. But I was cheering for OSU all the way. This is what March is about. One of these random teams who maybe has less talent top to bottom than the lead teams in conference, just finding a way and making it. And the fact that they have a rivalry matchup and they just played Oregon a couple uh weeks ago, wasn't it last week? Beavers have a chance. Do not count this team out. They have a great leader in Ethan Thompson, very high Q basketball player. Nice kind of, he's a guard, but he can play in the post and a great efficient passer Got Jared Lucas, who, if you leave him open, can make every shot from here to Brazil. And Warith Altiche really starting to develop his game, improving on his jumper. This team's deep. They're solid. And I've already given you my breakdown this year. Just know that the Beavers have a chance against the Ducks. I'm not just saying that because I wanted to interest you. I think the Beavers could generally beat the Ducks. Am I going to call it? Hell no. I'm not going to go against my pick. my pick to win the pac tournament and my team to go to the Final Four? But can the Beavers beat them? 100% yes, or I guess I should say 76.2.1.3 72% yes. They do have a chance. I do think they could do it. And bottom line, if your team's eliminated, let's try and get a fifth team in the tourney for the pack. Let's go Beavers, chomp, chomp, gnarl gnarl. And guys, if you even tell, I'm a little more random today. I'm excited, bro. It's March, dog. It is March. I mean, at work, you know, my boss was talking about March. He's a huge Gonzaga fan. My coworker was talking about March Madness. It's here. It's the hoop head's dream. Got games on. Got buzzer beaters. Got beer. Got popcorn. I probably won't be drinking any beer. uh, Eating any popcorn because I am covering the games. But hey. Do your thing out there. March has arrived ladies and gentlemen. I'm flexing my muscle right now. For no freaking reason in my room. That is how excited I am. Alright guys. I'm going to end today's episode now. So. Summarizing and concluding today's show. We had Steven Velardo join us from the SERC, I try to say the full name off the top of my head, the Sports and Entertainment Research Center, and he gave us a great statistical dive on the Pac-12 regular season and tournament alike. I then came in and gave you my three things to look out for for the Pac-12 semifinals and the NCAA tournament going forward, and for Bartlett's random topic of the day, it is time to chomp, chomp, gnarl, gnarl. Maybe stealing some of Bill Walton's, lot, Bill Walton's wines, lines, lines, bars, whatever. <laughs> Cheer for the Beavers, guys. Why not? It's March. Why not the Beavers, guys? Gosh, that's a stupid cliche. But seriously, the Beavers could be that random surprise Cinderella team. Gotta be happy for them knocking off the Bruins. Wayne Tinkle had a heck of a year coaching. So, go Beavers. Alright, guys. I am out. Thank you for tuning in as always. And... You already know what I'm about to say. Or do you? I'm about to say Cheetos and Tuna.